Good morning. I invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to be using Proverbs as an overview for this series on wisdom that we're kicking off here. Buck mentioned this little blue insert, and you can see in here a number of uh, Psalms and Proverbs, and I'll be talking about that here in just a moment, that, uh, where we're headed this summer. But I did want to mention to you, you see this up on the overhead, that if you don't have your summer plans made yet on vacation, I'd love for you to join us at Horn Creek. It's just a couple of weeks away, but my wife and our family and a few other families from Grace will be going to family camp at Horn Creek. So uh, consider checking that out. You can visit the website there or, or call us here at the church office if you'd like more information. Come and join us at, in Colorado. It's going to be a great week. Wisdom, the art of skillful living. Looking at Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. What is wisdom? What is wisdom? My daughter was uh, swimming in our uh, neighborhood swimming pool a couple of weeks ago. It was two Saturdays ago. And uh, a thunderstorm blew in. If you remember, it's actually three Saturdays ago, this big storm blew in. And she was with a friend, and they were swimming in, in, in the pool, and started lightning, and you know, it was really powerful display of, of this storm coming in. I mean, lots of lightning. So you're in a swimming pool with lightning. What does wisdom say you do? You get out of the pool. So she and her friend left the pool, but there were some teenage boys who, in the midst of the thunderstorm, threw metal chairs into the pool and stood up on the metal chairs in the swimming pool during the thunderstorm. And she came home to me and she was puzzled by this behavior. And she said, (laughs) Dad, why did they do that? Why did they stay in the pool on metal chairs in the middle of a thunderstorm? And I said, well, honey, decisions are complex. Uh, We can talk about uh, testosterone and and how it affects the the male behavior and and peer pressure. And we can talk about knowledge. And they had knowledge of electricity, but wisdom is the correct application of the knowledge we have. And they just didn't. It wasn't clicking there with these boys at that at that particular time. Now, I'm not making a statement against boys or girls, but that was just a situation that happened. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is the skillful application of the knowledge that we've received. Where do we receive this knowledge? We receive it from God's word. And as we think about wisdom literature in the Bible, God has given us some teaching in his word that are intended us to know truth, to know his character, to be wise, to be people who live wisely and reflect Christ to this world. As a church, we're to be wise. Christ just prayed that we would be wise as we use resources that God has given us. And so wisdom is something that we're all to pursue. We're to intentionally grow in this aspect of, of our lives. It's interesting that sometimes wisdom has nothing to do with knowledge because we can go to school and we can get degrees and we can uh, receive all kinds of information, but we may not know how to apply it in the right situation. That comes from a relationship with God that we'll be talking about here in just a moment. But as we think of wisdom literature, we think of the writings of the wisest man who ever lived, whose name was Solomon, he uh, prayed. God said, Solomon, I'll give you any request. 
And Solomon prayed and he asked for discernment. He asked for the ability to judge his people. He asked for wisdom. And God was pleased with that request and gave Solomon incredible wisdom. And so Solomon is writing to us in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Some kind of question is Song of Solomon, wisdom literature, is it poetry? But uh, the other two for sure, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, or wisdom literature. We have some wisdom literature in the Psalms. Some Psalms, you know, Psalms are classified according to praise Psalms or royal Psalms. We have some Psalms like Psalm chapter 1. Uh, Psalm 139, and you're going to be hearing from some, from some of these this summer, that are intended to make us wise. We also have the book of Job that is uh, uh, usually classified as wisdom literature. So wisdom is the art of skillful living. And we're going to look at Proverbs in these first seven verses as an overview, because in these seven verses, I believe Proverbs is giving a a summary of what's to come, uh, kind of an, an index of some of the teachings in Proverbs, but it's also a great overview for wisdom literature in general. So Solomon wrote most of Proverbs, chapter 30, uh, part of chapter 30, uh, King Agur, and then uh, King Lemuel wrote some of Proverbs 31. But Proverbs was primarily written by the wisest man who ever lived. His name was Solomon. It was written from a father to his children. Look at chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. By the way, he reigned from 970 to 930 B.C. For 40 years, he was a king of Israel. And he's writing as as a king. And look down in verse 8. He says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And all the parents said, amen, right? Hear my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Solomon is writing to his children. He's passing on information, some truths from, that he has learned from God, revelation from God to make his kids wise. It's written in a general form. Notice he doesn't mention Rehoboam or any son specifically. And I think this is intentionally because it was written so that the nation of Israel would use this as a manual to pass on truth and wisdom to the next generation. We'll be talking about this in just a moment. But by the way, how many of you in here are parents? Can I see your hand? A lot of parents in here. How many grandparents do we have? All right. Great-grandparents and great-grandparents. Got a few great-grandparents. Bless you. It's not an easy task, is it, to be a parent? Uh, I speak, you know, like I'm going to Horn Creek, and I speak at these family conferences. And, you know, when it comes to the topic of marriage, I'm there. I'm feeling pretty confident, and not that I have the most perfect marriage in the world, but I can teach principles of marriage. When it comes to parenting, I'm on my knees, and and you know my kids. And, and uh, you know, I'm not making any judgment statement on my kids, but kind of the proof's in the pudding right there. And, you know, you see us pastors and we're up here talking on parenting and you see our kids running around too. And you go, well, we're all in process, right? We're all kind of teaching our kids and and we're part of the family of God. And I tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. You cut me some slack and I'll cut you some slack in this area of parenting. You give me grace, parents and grandparents, and I'll give you grace. 
but we're all in process and our kids mess up. And as parents, we make mistakes and we wish we would do things differently sometimes, don't we? And, and we realize the error of our ways. And, and so here we are, we're coming into this topic of parenthood. And I'm telling you, I'm teaching this uh, with all the humility uh, because, uh, that I can possibly display because I don't have this all figured out. Susan and I are still in process raising our children, and, uh, but it's a fun ride. And it's, a, and it's an exciting opportunity we have to impart God's word and truth to our children to teach them to grow up, to honor him. So it's intended to be used. Proverbs, in terms of an overview, uh, Solomon wrote it. It's written from a father to his child. It's intended to be used first in the home to intentionally train up children to become godly leaders and influencers. Now, in the nation of Israel, Israel, they had the synagogue and they had a place of worship and God's word was read and scripture was taught. And just like in today, we come to church and we send our kids to Sunday school and we send them to Awana. And at Grace Bible Church, we want to provide the very best children's ministry that we possibly can. And we're intentional in doing that. We have great staff here. We have great curriculum. But where is the primary molding of our children going to take place? Where is it? It's in the home. Okay, We have 168 hours in, the, in, in, a, in a week. And, it, and you send your kids here at Grace and you know, they're here on Sunday morning an hour or two and maybe Sunday night and you know, there's youth opportunities. And you know, we have them for a few hours. But the bulk of the time is with parents in the home. And thank God again for grandparents and a few of you great-grandparents. So we in the home bear the primary responsibility of allowing God to mold our children's character to Christ-likeness. And parents, we've only got one shot. We've only got one shot at it. So we want to do the very best we can. And I know life gets busy. Our lives are busy too. And we're running from here to there. And we're trying to figure out trips to the grocery store on the way to the Little League. And we're... Life is busy, isn't it? As we think about our priorities in life, all I'm saying is realize that these children are gifts. They're assignments. Psalm 127 talks about. Children are, are gifts of the Lord. They're assignments to us. And we have an opportunity to mold and shape them. A responsibility, a stewardship, I would even say. And that's a part of why Solomon wrote Proverbs. It's to intentionally raise up and train the next generation of leaders. C. Everett Koop, former Surgeon General, wrote, life affords no greater responsibility, no greater privilege than the raising of the next generation. Isn't that true? We have a responsibility, parents, to pour into these kids. And we have a great opportunity in this wisdom literature to intentionally do that. A farmer made his sons work in his cornfields while their peers spent the afternoon at the swimming hole. Someone scolded the father saying, why do you make those boys work so hard? You don't need all that corn, the wise father replied. Sir, 
I'm not raising corn. I'm raising boys. There's a lot of things we can be doing with our time, dads and moms. But let's not forget that God has given us these kids. And we need to be intentional in raising them up and pouring our lives into them. A lot in Proverbs about parenting. A lot in Proverbs about wisdom. And Solomon's going to give us uh, instruction and wisdom on friendships and our speech, how we talk and how we use our money and, and how to be wise with what we allow our, our eyes to look at and, and how to stay pure and just things that our kids need to learn in life. And we have an opportunity to instruct them and to teach them. One of the things I love about Proverbs is it's very practical. As my dad would say, there's good horse sense in Proverbs. Practical advice that impacts our daily lives, morally and ethically. And so we're in, the Proverbs is given to us as an instruction manual to not only raise up the next generation, but that as men and women, and that we would be growing to maturity too. It's interesting that Wisdom often has nothing to do with age. I've seen people growing old and they mature and they're way into life, but they still live their lives foolishly and make decisions that are unwise because they're not living according to the book, according to what God has instructed in us to have. We also see in Proverbs two competing paths in life. What are they? Chuck Swindoll in Daily Grind 1, this is a great resource. Uh, half of it is about Psalms, and the second half is he, he looks at some selected Proverbs. But talking about two paths of life, he says, Every waking moment of our lives, we operate from one of two view, viewpoints, human or divine. And we have a choice to make. And that's a part of, as parents, what we want to teach our children is that there are two paths in lives and there in our lives and there are consequences for taking each path and there are blessings that can go along with choosing the right path two paths one path and we're summarizing here but there's a path that leads to death proverbs 16:25 there's a way which seems right to a man but its end is the way of death we certainly know that's true in a spiritual sense Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, and then 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And if we choose a path apart from God and we do not receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, that there will be a, a, a punishment as a result of that. The wages of sin is, is eternal death. But it's easy to think of that just in terms of eternity, but also the wages of sin is death in this life. And we can make choices that lead to death. We can make choices in terms of marriage, for example, that can lead to the death of a marriage. We can make choices in terms of relationships and and being unwilling to reconcile that lead to the death of a relationship. And, And I have this happen from time to time is I'll have people come to me and they'll come into my office and, and they've made choices. They made foolish choices, bad choices, and I've made them too. But the natural consequences as, as 
our creator God has established this world and he has established and put into motion a, a system, a theological natural system, that there are natural consequences to making choices that lead to this path of death. And, the, and part of Proverbs is for us to teach our children, but also as adults, we'll look at this and we'll say, no, I do not want to choose this path. You know, bridge out, do not go this way. There are consequences. On the other hand, there's a path that leads to life and blessing. Proverbs 24. By wisdom a house is built. And by understanding it is established. And by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And we want to teach our children that there's a path that leads to life. It begins by a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and out of that flowing and abiding with Him and, and obedience to Him. And that there's a blessing that comes along with, with following an intended path of life that God has created us to follow. Through obedience and through discipline and through following His plan, there's blessing and there's life and there's enjoyment and there's fulfillment. And yes, we still live in a fallen world. And you heard Chris pray for some of our men and women who have cancer and, 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 we, and, there's, and there's death. And someday we'll be in a place where there's no more tears and pain and, and we look forward to that day, but... We do live in a fallen world, and that's reality. So we're not saying that by choosing this path that there will be no more pain and sorrow. That day is coming in our glorified estate. But in general, there's, there are principles, there are paths in life that Solomon gives to us and wisdom literature gives to us. And all of the Bible supports these two paths. What does the word Proverbs mean? It's... From the Latin word proverbium, pro for, verbum words. And Webster defines this as short, pithy saying in frequent and widespread use that expresses a well-known truth or fact. So they're like little poems or little couplets or little sayings that express wisdom and express knowledge and express discernment that we're to learn from and we're to pass on to the next generation. Proverbs is given in couplets, and these are two ideas placed next to each other. And there are three primary types of couplets. One is a contrastive couplet, and you'll notice this by the word but. Bible scholars, you will notice this word, and you'll see that there's a contrast going on. For example, Proverbs fifteen twenty: A wise son makes a father glad. Isn't that true? That's the path of life. But a foolish man despises his mother. Sometimes there's a little twist in there. Why did he switch from father to mother? I don't know. You know, there's some interesting twists in the Proverbs here too. But uh, you can see this is an example of a contrastive couplet. Comparative. When you see words like better, than, as, so, like, so. Better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fatted ox served with hatred. And this is a maxim, it's a principle in life, that better is a, you know, a, a meal, a vegetarian meal here, not with maybe not as much, maybe as, not as expensive of a meal, you know, eat, eating your broccoli and okra. Better is that where there's love than having the T-bone steak sitting down at a table where there's hatred. Isn't that true? How about a completive couplet? 
This is where the second statement completes the first. It's linked by an and or a so. Here's an example. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and joy may end in grief. There's, notice again, the two paths of life. But in laughter, the heart may ache, and joy may end in grief. And on the outside, someone may be looking, laughing, but inside there's, uh, there's pain and uh, there's hurt. Big idea, what am I saying? Big idea this morning is that true wisdom begins with a reverence for God that affects how I think and what I do. When we wrap this up at the end of this message, I'm going to put a slide up there that shows three concentric circles. And the outer is our behavior, what we do. And it's so easy as parents to begin focusing on our kids' behavior. You know what I mean? You ever notice a, a parent with a newborn, they, they will talk about their kids and this is a good baby and this is a bad baby. The good baby sleeps through the night and doesn't cry. The bad baby cries. And, and you know, you kind of look at that and you go, they're babies. There, there are no good or bad babies. But the tendency is to focus on behavior. And I do that too. It's so easy to correct the behavior. One of the reasons is because I want to look good as a parent. You know what I mean? And I want my kids to behave well. But we want our kids to behave in a way that's going to honor and glory the Lord. But deeper than that is the heart. And we want to go for the heart and allow God to shape their heart, which affects their behavior. But even deeper than that, the, the, the deepest core is our worldview. What do we believe about God? Is Jesus Christ my Savior? Because if He is then he is going to affect my heart, my belief system, which is going to affect my behavior. So the core of this, what we go to, true wisdom begins with a reverence for God. Let me just look at verse 7. And you'll see it here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we begin with a fear of the Lord, a worship of the Lord, and a realization that I am not the center of this universe. God is my creator, and he created me, and I need to come under his authority and his rule and fear and worship him and live my life in that way. Why Proverbs? Why wisdom literature? We've been talking about some of these, but let's walk through these seven verses in Proverbs chapter 1. So first of all, that we will know true wisdom. We will know true wisdom. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction. There's some things that we're to know. What is wisdom? Let's uh, define it. In the Hebrew, we see a couple of ways this is used. It was used to describe Mental and physical skill of craftsmen, sailors, singers, mourners, counselors. So we see a skill involved in a particular trade or an area of expertise. We also see, and this is getting more of the spiritual area, the more of the, of the person's life. It's the application of moral and ethical principles that result in skillful, godly living. The Hebrew word wisdom is chokmah, 
And we see some synonyms, and we're going to see these in our passage here this morning. Synonyms for wisdom, uh, understanding, instruction, discernment, knowledge. And these are all unique, and they have some unique interpretations, but there's some overlap there too as we look at understanding the term wisdom. Bottom line, wisdom is the art of skillful living. Wisdom is the art of skillful living. How about knowledge versus wisdom? We're in a university setting here. Many of you are involved at uh, Blinn or Texas A&M University. Uh, as, as teachers, instructors, you've gone to school. We, have, we are a church that's just packed full of degrees. Everybody's got degrees around here, just about. My uh, seminary professor... Uh, who taught Proverbs and wisdom literature to me, said it's possible to be knowledgeable and yet to not know. So it's not enough just to have the information. Wisdom is the skillful application of that and knowing how to apply the knowledge in daily living. Why Proverbs? Also so that we will be able to discern right from wrong. Look at The second half of verse 2. To discern the sayings of understanding. To be able to distinguish the relationship between two things. There's a skill in making the right choice. You realize every day, talk about two paths of life. And some of them may not be as drastic as life or death. Some of them are more gray areas. But we have choices to make every day in life. We have The big ones, you know, where am I going to go to school and what job am I going to take and who am I going to marry? But every day we're faced with choices. We're faced with decisions. We're faced with opportunities to disobey God and sin. We're faced with opportunities to obey God and follow his commandments and to honor him. Some of these are little things. Some of these are when nobody's watching. We're faced with decisions that we make. And every little decision determines what our character is going to be like and what kind of people we're going to be like. And so don't think that when nobody's watching, those little decisions that you make don't have an impact, don't have an effect. They do, and our lives are the sum total of the decisions that we've been making along the way. Thankfully, with God's grace and His mercy, He's leading us and He's guiding us. And there's forgiveness when we make the wrong choices. But part of the the reason Proverbs is written is so we'll be able to discern right from wrong. And we'll be able to make choices that honor God and reflect uh, wisdom. And that we grow our children in, in this example into godly Uh, men and women, who are going to impact the world and share his love with the world. We also see that Proverbs is written so that we will receive instruction. Now, this is our part. We're to be teachable. We're to receive instruction. Doesn't matter if you're a newborn. Doesn't matter if, you know, this is your last week on earth. We're to receive instruction. To receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. There we see the behavior that's to result from a changed heart that emanates from a theocentric worldview where we fear the Lord. We're to receive instruction so we will know 
how we're to live our lives. Let me give you a few examples in Proverbs about receiving instruction. A wise person is someone who spends time with wise people. That's what Psalm 1 is all about. Choose to spend your time with wise people. Young people, youth, college students, all of us need to hear this, but especially young people. Choose to spend your time with people that are going to have an impact in you, that are going to move you along the path of life where you're going to honor God and not dishonor him. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. We're going to see as we walk through this different types of people. We're going to see a naive or a simple person, a young person who just needs knowledge and input. We're going to see a fool, and a fool is someone who has knowledge, but he's hard-hearted, and he doesn't always choose to use the knowledge that he has. We're going to see scoffers who, whose heart is hardened still, and they're scoffing, and they're leading others down a path. And we're going to see the wise, those who are teachable, those who are, have soft hearts, and they're open to instruction, and they're listening to God. A wise person also receives correction. I love this verse. I try to teach it to my kids here, and I pray that they'll love this verse too. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home with the wise. A wise person also accepts instruction. We receive it. The wise in heart accepts commands, but, here's the contrast, a chattering fool comes to ruin. There's a way, a path of death, and there's a path that leads to life. That's, and we need to be discerning in which path that we choose. Proverbs also gives us direction in life. Look at verse 4. To give prudence to the naive, to the youth knowledge and discretion. And so we find direction, we find guidance in life. Now the naive, this is a really fun word in the Hebrew. The word naive Um, can also be translated broad, open meadows, broad, empty spaces, like rooms that are empty. So what we're seeing is that children are born naive, and they need their heads, their brain, to be filled with knowledge. They're airheads, okay? They're empty-headed. They need instruction. The naive needs wisdom to be imparted into their heads so that they'll be able to make the right choices in life. Children are born this way. The Bible assumes that children are born in need of instruction. Again, that's where parenting comes in. And grandparents, and bless you, great-grandparents, so that we will be training up our children and teaching them. And so as parents, we're to be intentional in teaching our children wisdom. That's why we need to be teaching them God's word. I'm going to end this message with an application and challenge you, if you don't have a plan this summer, to read the book of Proverbs as a family. Read it together. I was talking to Ford before the service started, and he said, you know, the amazing thing about Proverbs is you can throw a dart and just about any place, any verse that dart lands on, you're going to find wisdom. And that's true. It's all throughout the book. So read that together. Impart that to your children, but also parents, we have a responsibility to protect them 
from stuff from the world that's going to fill their minds with things that's going to lead them down a wrong path. I mean, especially, it's especially true of uh, uh, the entertainment media that's out there. We need to be very careful, parents, what we allow our children to watch and what we, they put in their minds. And when they come home from school and they've learned some new words, which happens sometimes, you know, next week I'm going to be talking about speech. We have a great opportunity to sit down and talk with them about the wise use of speech and how that affects them. But we need to be intentional in putting into their heads godly truth, wisdom literature. We also need to protect them. Parents, I believe this is why we all need filters on our Internet, at home. You are being unwise as a parent if you have a computer sitting there wide open with no filter on it. And in our case, we have accountability software so we can see everywhere our kids go. That's wisdom in today's world. So we're helping them find direction in life by giving them the right stuff, but also helping withhold the wrong stuff to protect them from the things of this world. I love this quote and realize it was written in 1927. If a child shows himself incorrigible, he should be decently and quietly beheaded at the age of 12, lest he grow to maturity, marry, and perpetuate his kind. And if you're visiting grace, okay, this is called irony here. We're just, okay. But we need to be wise as parents. We need to also hear God's voice. We see this in chapter 1 The second part of verse 5. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. We will listen to God's voice. We will be be teachable. We will be soft-hearted as we seek to grow in maturity. And again, we're all in process. We're all growing closer to the Lord, hopefully. We will receive wise counsel. Look at the second part of uh, verse 5. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Proverbs tells us that there's, that there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. That a foolish man is going to go off and make decisions on his own. A wise man is going to seek advice from those that are a little bit farther along in life than he is. That's the beauty of mentoring. In men's ministry, we, we love to pair up men who are a little bit farther along in life with younger men to help them, not only in in studying God's word, but just learning about the workplace and family and skill in life. And many of you men and women have so much to impart to these college students. I I find a lot of times um, we'll throw out requests for mentors and people say, well, you know, I, I really don't think I can do that. Well, just show up and have lunch with a college student. You'll be amazed at how much they'll, they'll pepper you with questions, and you have a lot more to offer than you, may, than you may realize. But we're to be receiving wise counsel. We're to grow in uh, regard to who we spend time with. When the Duke of Windsor was asked what impressed him the most in America, he replied, the way American parents obey their children. This is an old quote, but it's true. And if we're not careful, we can flip things around in our homes. And we need to teach our children wisdom. And that wisdom is coming under 
a, a fear of the Lord and an awe and a reverence for his name. But they're only going to do that, moms and dads, if they see you modeling that. How can you expect them to extrapolate out submission to authority if they don't see you submitting to authority? We need to model that in our homes. And we need to teach our children they come under our leadership. Discipline. You can never go wrong with giving a youngster lots of love and kisses mixed with discipline. Child training is merely knowing which end of your child to pat and when. There's a lot in Proverbs about discipline. And we need to be intentional parents about disciplining our children. And every child's different. And what works with one kid may not work with another. I mean, one of our children, he absolutely, I mean, worse than spanking is put him in his room, isolation. He hates being isolated. I mean, that is torture to him. And so we've got to learn what works with our kids. But you'll see a lot in Proverbs about being intentional in disciplining our children so that we are raising them up to um, honor God and to grow into Christ's likeness. And that's part of our responsibility as parents, to intentionally discipline our children. Sheriff's Office in Texas City uh, once distributed a list of rules titled, How to Raise a Juvenile Delinquent in Your Own Family. And here's the list. Number one, begin with infancy to give the child everything he wants. This will ensure his believing that the world owes him a living. Number two, pick up everything he leaves lying around. This will teach him he can always throw off responsibility on others. Number three, take his part against neighbors, teachers, and policemen. They're all prejudiced against your child. He's a free spirit, never wrong. Number four, finally prepare yourself for a life of grief. You're going to have it. We need to intentionally discipline our children and teach them the wisdom of God's word. Begin this summer in Proverbs. It's a great place. Seventh, why Proverbs? is to gain understanding. We see this in verse 6. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. To gain an understanding, to gain in wisdom. This word is often used synonymously. Eighth, and most important, to deepen our reverence for the Lord. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction to deepen our reverence for the Lord. Put this category up here for you here, this graph, and I'm trying to summarize the different types of people that Proverbs mentions. You see those four types up here at the top. The simple, the naive, the fool, the scoffer, and the wise. By the way, I got the bulk of this from Dr. Elliot Johnson at Dallas Seminary, and I've tweaked it a little bit. But on the left-hand side on this column here, we see there's a mindset that each of them have. There's some essential traits. Uh, How do we introduce change to them? And then what is the consequence or the result if they keep on this path? Let's start first with the naive. And again, I'm summarizing the book of Proverbs here. The naive mindset, empty-headed. Remember, air-headed. It's our responsibility to instruct them with wisdom. Essential trait, there's nothing to guide them. They're like a top that's spinning, and they're going to be bumped different ways, and peer pressure is going to bump them this way, and situation's going to bump them this way. How do we introduce change? We teach them truth. We teach them God's Word. We model a life of Christ-likeness as parents. 
What's the consequence of the simple naive if they keep going along their path? They're unguided. They're wandering. They're going to get in trouble in life. How about the fool? And there's three words for fool in Proverbs. I don't have time to go into that, but their basic mindset is negative. And so in the simple naive, you got from newborn up to, say, teenage years. This is kind of a general category here. But by teenage years, you start seeing a real mindset kicking in of negativity, of resistance, essential trait. They've got some knowledge. Remember the kids in the swimming pool? They knew about electricity. They had some knowledge, but they didn't have the wisdom to get out of the pool during a thunderstorm. Knowledge, but bad choices. How do we introduce change? Well, sometimes we have to challenge them. We have to speak the truth in love to our teenagers. What's the consequence of the fool if they keep going on this path? They're enslaved to their choices. They're going to make bad choices. Remember, two paths in life. Parents, one of the most challenging thing is to allow natural consequences to take place. Sometimes we've got to allow that to happen with our kids, and they make bad choices, and they have some natural consequences. That's one of the best learning tools in life. Don't rescue your kids. Let natural consequences run its course. But what's the natural result? They're um, enslaved to their choices. The scoffer. Now we get into the college years and on up. And you see a lot of this in the university setting. The scoffer. Their mindset. They're closed. They know it all. Essential trait. Hard-hearted. Skeptical. How do you introduce change? Man, you need to pray for this person a lot. Prayer and give them time and space. You can't just get in your face with the scoffer. You've got to give them time. You've got to pray for them. God's going to have to do a work. But what's the result? They can often have a demoralizing influence on others and lead others down this path. Obviously, we want to get to the category on the right. We want to be wise. Their mindset, the mindset of the wise, is open, teachability. Soft hearts. Essential trait is a fear of the Lord. Introduce change. They're teachable. The result is they're open. Open to growth. Why do people change? Here's the chart I was talking about earlier. In the central essence, we have the world view. And that's really what we want to go for in terms of the fear of the Lord. The tendency is to focus on the behavior, on the right. But... Our worldview, a fear of the Lord, a, a respect that, that, that God is my creator and I've come under his headship and his authority. In the New Testament, we learn about the person of Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's to be my master and I'm to submit my life to him. And that begins by recognizing that he's the son of God and that he died on the cross for my sins. And when I place my faith in the person of Christ, I receive the free gift of eternal life. I'm born again. I'm adopted into his family. I'm declared righteous. And now I've been given a new heart to follow after him. I've been given a new desire to want to obey him, which affects my behavior. So in terms of a New Testament grid, if you have never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, my encouragement to you is make this the day of salvation. Receive Christ as your Savior. Teach the, the gospel to our children, which will affect their heart, which will change their behavior. By the way, on, the, on parenting, shepherding a child's heart by trip is a great resource on going after their heart. Our worldview, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and destruction. It has to begin 
with this central essence. We see this in Proverbs 9. We see this in Ecclesiastes. After he's done it all, he's summed it up with the conclusion is fear God and keep his commandments, which affects our heart. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it spring flows the spring of life, which affects our behavior, as we see in Proverbs 1.3, to receive instruction in wise behavior. Applications. Read a chapter of Proverbs with your kids. In, my, in the last two weeks, we've gotten through two chapters. They've had a lot of questions. So read a chapter of Proverbs each day, maybe a little bit uh, lofty of a goal. But fathers, lead in this. Read with your kids. If you don't have a devotional plan, use Proverbs this summer. Pray. Ask God to give you wisdom. That's what James 5 was about. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Write down what God is teaching you, and then last, memorize Proverbs 1-7. Big idea, true wisdom begins with the reverence for God that affects how I think and what I do. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for this opportunity we have to study your word. We desire to be people in our church who are intentional in pouring into our children. What a responsibility you've given us. Thank you for this reminder this morning through beginning the series in wisdom literature and looking at the purpose of Proverbs of how you've given us children to raise, to mold, to trust you, to grow them to Christ's likeness. We thank you, Father, for the instruction manual that you give us. Help us to be wise as parents. Help us to live lives that honor you But Father, let it begin with a fear of the Lord, a reverence, a worship, and an awe that you are our creator. We love you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.